When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. With the Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Let me give you a big Labor Day surprise. Most people think if we all exercise the same and eat the same, we'd all look the same. And let me tell you why that's wrong. Your body is unique and your metabolism is unique. I'm Lacey Green, and I'm a super trainer at Body. That's B-O-D-I dot com. And you can't see me, but I don't look like your average personal trainer. I'm curvy, and I'm proud of it. So I created a program for beginners only on the Body app to show people like us how to get incredible results and be our version of happy and healthy. This isn't just workout videos. It's people like you and me. It's community. It's incredible trainers. It's easy to follow nutrition and mindset experts to help you reduce stress and just feel better. And you can get started with my new program called For Beginners Only. Now, here's the big surprise. If you go to body.com right now, that's B-O-D-I.com, not only can you get everything Body has to offer at 50% off with an annual membership, you'll also get an additional 20% off, but only during Labor Day weekend. Let's do this together. Go to body.com. That's body with an I.com. Hello, Duke fans, and welcome to episode number 512 of the Duke Basketball Roundup. It is Sunday. April 30th, 2023. It has been a long time. We shouldn't have left you without an episode to listen to, uh, but we are back finally after a few weeks of absence. Uh, we apologize to all you out there who were jonesing for an episode, but uh, unfortunately we had a bunch of things come up where you know we just couldn't get on over the last couple weeks, but also it was great to kind of catch up and get some much needed rest, but we're back. We're reloaded and we have a lot to talk about. 
And we are here. We're all here. I got, I'm Donald Wine. I'm your host for this episode. I got Jason Evans. I got Sam Klein. We're all here. First off, Sam, how are you doing this evening? I'm great. It's, uh, I think this might be the longest break, whether intentional or accidental, that we've ever taken from the show. And I just want to emphasize that it has nothing to do with the fact that we had to change the name. We all just like, it just sort of happened to all of Yo, us. I was in Israel. Yeah, I was, <laughs> I, I was going to say that Jason probably has a better excuse than than the two of us do. And I know that he's super sick. So I've got nothing exciting to add about like my life in the time since we last recorded. Jason, uh, look, we I think between us, we were in several cities, several countries. I was in Cancun for a little while. Jason, you had a trip over to Jordan, Israel. Pictures look great, by the way. I hope you had a great time. I know you are now sick um, after the trip, but better being sick after the trip than on it, I guess. Um, I guess that's the, that's going right. But how are you doing other than, you know, being under the weather? Yeah, not just under the weather. I have COVID. Uh, I, the test came back positive just this afternoon. My wife and I have basically, we got back from Israel on Monday late. I felt fine for several days. Thursday evening, my wife started not feeling well. By Friday, I was feeling like terrible. And the whole weekend has just been the two of us laying in bed, talking about when do we get to start taking our Paxlovid? <laughs> well, Jason, I think I have something that will help at least uplift your spirit, if not help you feel better. It is the fact that we're going to start with some recruiting news. And I know you're a recruiting guru, so uh, hopefully you are, you are on it and ready to go because let's start with the class of 2024. The class of 2024 for Duke got another one just a couple days ago when Isaiah Evans, uh, local North Carolina product, 6'6 forward, uh, he commits to Duke and joins Darren Harris uh, in the class of 2024 for Duke for the Duke Blue Devils. Uh, an amazing get, one of the top 10 players in the class, If depending on what source you're looking at. 247, I think, has him right at number 10. But Jason, let's start off with Isaiah Evans. What does he bring to the table, and, and why should Duke fans be so excited to see him come into the fold? When I look at him and watch him play, the words Brandon Ingram come to mind because he has a similar kind of style to his play. Yeah, everyone calls this kid Baby Ingram, and and you can see why if you watch him play a little bit. He has incredibly long limbs, arms, and legs, uh, but he has you know all this all the perimeter skills of a top tier guard. Uh, he is six six, just one hundred and sixty five pounds, and I think that's with his shirt dripping wet. <laughs> this is a guy who needs to put some meat on his bones. There's no question about it. But he's a dynamic scorer, scores in bunches. He has the length to be very very impactful on defense. And this is, you know, this is a a really, really good pickup for John Shire. It, it, you know, it's probably, I think it's pretty likely that you're going to see, you know, Mark Mitchell only playing one more year at Duke. And it's very easy to see uh, a kid like Isaiah Evans stepping into, if not the starting lineup, then a very, very significant role on the wing for Duke in the 2024 class. He's, he's the, the, you know, the best recruit we have in this class so far. Jason, you said so far. And you're foreshadowing something we're going to talk about in just a minute, but I want to bring in Sam. Sam, uh, again, your thoughts on Isaiah Evans committing to the Blue Devils. Yeah, I feel like you you can't have enough of these types of players, especially if they are rated as highly as Isaiah Evans is for for Duke. And Jason, you mentioned like, oh, you know, he he can slot into Mark Mitchell's role. It's so funny to think that projecting the roster a year and a half from now is basically impossible uh, it, it was hard even in the before times. And now with the transfer portal 
and much more fluid sort of NBA draft considerations and NIL. We have no idea who's coming next year, but if you're if you're thinking about sort of top tier, top ten type prospects, you gotta love having you know lots of of Isaiah Evanses on the team. And I, I guess for Jason, he's a he's an Evans. So I, I don't know if there's a if he's a cousin <laughs> or a nephew or something. But congratulations on having uh, one of your family uh, going to Duke. Yeah, no, not not exactly, not exactly. Evans is a pretty common name, as most people know. I, you know, one of the things I like about Isaiah Evans is that he's he's a local guy. He he's from Huntersville, North Carolina, and uh, it's always good. Duke recruits nationally. Heck, Duke recruits internationally. Tyrese Proctor. Uh, so uh, obviously, we're going all over the place, but it always is good to get a kid like this who really grew up coming to Duke basketball games. And and everyone sort of felt like this kid was going to come to Duke. He came and visited Cameron and stood with the crazies and just had a great time. He was doing all the cheers and everything like that. I mean, he was definitely into it when he came and visited Duke and everyone could sort of tell from that moment on that this is a kid who is pretty darn likely to, to come to Carolina. And you know, his parents will be in the stands a lot to watch him as he's a blue devil. You know, I, I I I agree with you. You know, I was talking with my friends the other day about this. And when you have a guy, local product, who, you know, it, it, for those of you who either went to Duke, you probably know this, but if you're not from North Carolina or just a Duke fan ancillary, the thing about North Carolina is that North Carolina is very heavy with the state schools. Every Almost everyone who grows up in North Carolina ends up, you know, they're either steered towards being a North Carolina fan or a North Carolina State fan. Maybe some Wake, maybe some Eastern Carolina, whatever, right? But the two big schools that people try to steer themselves to are the two public schools, the two big flagship schools, uh, both UNC and, and NC State. So it's very rare to have someone grow up in North Carolina and want to go to Duke and actively actually end up playing there. And so it's, it's very, I mean, I, I'm trying to think the last guy, who who probably went there with Joey Baker, I think, was from North Carolina. Uh, but before that, it was, I think, Brandon Ingram. Like, there's guys, there's very few guys that end up getting up and saying, I want to play for Duke. I'm from North Carolina, but forget the other schools. I want to play for in, in Duke Blue and end up doing it. So uh, it's going to be real fun to watch him uh, bring that energy Harry Giles. Uh, to Cameron. Harry Giles was a, was a North Harry Carolina. Giles. That's right. Yeah. Yep. And Harry Giles was a steal because I'm pretty sure North Carolina was going after him and we, and we got him. Um, it, it didn't work out at Duke the way we expected it, but he, he was, I mean, he did it in Duke blue anyway, but Jason, I want to go back to you because you teased a little bit when you said that this is uh, that we're not done with the class of 2024. There's obviously some guys that we're looking at, but there's one guy who in the past like week or so, has been getting a lot of waves. And right now, the, the reason why I, I say getting a lot of waves in the class 24 is right now, he's not in the class of 2024. Who are we talking about and, and what's the story there? Yeah, so uh, the, the very first AAU events of the season have been going on. And sort of the biggest headline happening at these events has been Cooper Flagg and Cameron Boozer, who are both members of the class of 2025. Uh, Cameron Boozer is considered the best player in the class. Cooper Flagg is considered the second best player in the class. Cameron Boozer, of course, is Carlos Boozer's son. So everyone expects he will eventually come to Duke. It's not a done deal. I'm not, you know, John charging himself to put in the work to get him, but we certainly have a leg up <laughs> on that recruitment. And Cooper Flagg has for his entire, uh, er ever since people have asked him, where do you want to play college basketball? He's always said, Duke is my dream school. And in fact, there's been talk that other coaches sort of aren't even really bothering 
that they they sort of think uh, you know either this kid is going to you know maybe take some money from the G League or overtime elite or he's going to go to Duke that there's no other school that he's really you know at, for as big time a recruit as he is people are not even bothering to supposedly bothering to recruit Cooper Flag I, I bring up the two of them because at these first AAU events Cameron Boozer and Cooper Flag have been destroying it I mean like routinely putting up 30 40 50 points per Killing game healing uh, folks I mean, just right. Just, just, I mean, it is insane what they are doing. They're both playing in the 16 and under league, which is where the class of 2025 belongs. Frankly, these guys should be playing with the oldest guys they can possibly come up with because they are that good. <laughs> they Jason, dominate Jason, we talked about when we talked with, after we interviewed Carlos Boozer a few weeks ago, we talked about the fact that a lot of people say that Cameron Boozer is the best player in all of high school. And he's just now entering his what junior year, right? And Cooper flag is right up there with him. Cooper flag right. might be second. Yeah. Everyone says Boozer's the best player in all of college, uh, all of high school basketball right now. And Cooper flag is the second best. All right. So let's get to what you were asking me about. Uh, there's been some talk. There's been some rumors that Cooper flag could be looking to reclassify from the class of 2025 to the class of 2024. And the reason he might be looking to do this is, Cooper Flagg's birthday is December 21st of 2006. Cameron Boozer's birthday is July 7th of 2007. They're about seven months apart. There, there's a huge difference in a guy born before the middle of June or after the middle of June, because the middle of June, late June, is when the NBA does their draft, and you must be 19 to enter the NBA draft. 19 plus one year removed from your high school class. If Cooper Flagg were to reclassify from the class of 2025 to the class of 2024, he would be eligible for the 2025 NBA draft because his birthday is in December. Cameron Boozer, on the other hand, if he were to try to reclassify, it wouldn't affect his draft status. He still wouldn't be 19 on the date of the draft, and he wouldn't be eligible for the draft until 2026. So there is more and more talk. I've heard it from a number of different sources no one's saying it's a sure thing. No one's saying it's about to happen. But there is talk that Cooper Flag may reclassify from the class of 2025 to the class of 2024 and that he presumably would come to Duke upon announcing that reclassification. He would instantly become... Uh, there's some good players in the class of 2024, but it's not like a great class. There's no question. If he were to reclassify, Cooper Flag would become the number one recruit in the class of 2024. Kind of ironic. He's the number two recruit. In 2025, he'd be number one in 2024. And also, when you're thinking about, you mentioned being eligible for the NBA draft, you have a situation this year where the best player in America is probably, you know, or at least the, the biggest prospect in, in America right now might be Scoot Henderson. And Scoot Henderson is guaranteed to finish no better than second because Victor Wembanyama yep. exists. Uh, and, and he's a freak, and he's going to be number one with whoever gets that pick. And with Cooper Flagg, he has an opportunity where if he stays in the class of 2025 and he enters the draft after one year with Carlos or with Cameron Boozer, Cameron Boozer might be number one. Cooper Flagg might be number one. You're not sure if he translates, if he, if he reclassifies to 2024, there's a great chance that both of them can be the one pick in the 2025 and 2026 NBA draft. So that also probably plays into it. Also, again, you know, we, we talk about guys who are one and done wanting to start earlier so that they can get to the league earlier this is a way for him to do that as well. Um, but it also might actually help Duke in a way because, hey, you know, we've talked about 
how Duke is really not getting a lot of one and dones, at least so far, right? We've our biggest recruiting jobs this offseason so far has been, you know, getting some guys to come back. But we're still going after the best guys in the class. And that guy is is Cooper Flagg, that guy is Cameron Boozer. You know, so at the end of the day, we could have both of them in consecutive years and really be able to build teams around the two of them, uh, as opposed to one year with both of them. So uh, that's going to be an interesting development if he ends up making uh, that move. But guys, anything else on Cooper Flag before we move on? No, no, but I will add one thing about Isaiah Evans. Most people say that because he is so thin, uh, even though he is a top 10 ranked recruit, the presumption is that he won't be one and done. It could it could still happen. But but at 165 pounds, uh, the presumption is that he may stay in school for a couple years to try and work on his weight a little bit before he goes off to the NBA. So John Shire has talked repeatedly about wanting to have got, have a little more continuity in the program. Look, this offseason has been great for Duke in, in terms of that. It looks like most of the guys in the class of 2023 that we have coming in are guys who aren't necessarily going to be one and done. Isaiah Evans, even though a very, very, very highly regarded recruit, probably also isn't a one and done. We'll have to see. You never know. But at least the initial indication is that that's not his priority. And Jason, since he's from North Carolina, we can't even introduce him to the cookout diet. He knows about the cookout diet. He knows about the Bojangles diet. Amen, baby. Those are we have to figure something else out. We gotta, we gotta do. I mean, I don't know what we're gonna do. Maybe combine the two, like have a double down, like they used to have at KFC. I don't know, but it'd be great. Eventually, to have they do point. stop growing vertically. So, like, right. assuming that he's done growing vertically, he can now grow horizontally, uh, like like the rest of us do. Yeah, yeah. I stopped growing vertically a long time ago. So nowhere to go, but nowhere to it go, is. but wide. It's been it's been a minute for me. Yeah. So, guys, I want to stay in the recruiting department and I want to move on to this upcoming year with Duke basketball, because, you know, in the last the last time we talked, which seems like an eons ago, we were talking about recruiting big men and the fact that Duke was after a few guys in the transfer portal. Now, here we are again on April 30th, and we've not heard a lot of chatter on that other than some of the guys that we were mentioning in that uh, episode have gone on to other places. I think the most recent one was Caden Shedrick, who transferred from uh, out of Virginia. We thought we had a pretty good chance at him. He ended up going to, it was a Texas. Uh, so I feel like right now, there isn't a lot of chatter about Duke and big men in the portal. And I know Duke is still actively seeking one. Deron Holmes is going to the draft. He entered the NBA draft. That was the other guy that I think uh, made a recent decision. Uh, he did it right before the deadline to enter, at least test the waters for the NBA draft. So, Jason, I go back to you. What's up with the big men? Is it is it? Are we still in the market for someone, or is it one of those things where Duke feels like they're going to stand pat and feel great about the team that we currently have uh, in the uniform? Uh, so, first of all, I'll start by saying I've got no inside info on all this, but I feel like the guys who are currently in the portal. Duke's sort of like, yeah, uh, eh, you know, they're they're not too interested in any of those. I think that the idea is if we if we can find a big man who is like a no brainer, you know, the kind of guy like a Duran Holmes uh, of Dayton who who you go, oh, well, yeah, I mean, obviously that guy is just, you know, he's going to be an absolute stud. Then, yeah, someone like that we would go after. But we're not going to go after some of these guys who are a little bit further down the line who might just sort of fill in a little bit here and there. And the reason for that, I think is because Duke Duke already had, it's not like Duke is desperate for a big man. I want to be really clear about that. Like guys, if 
if Ryan Young plays 15 minutes a game and Sean Stewart plays 15 minutes a game and Cal Filipowski plays five to 10 minutes a game at, at the five, is, is that a terrible situation? Heck, what about Christian Reeves? Maybe Young plays 15, Stewart plays 15, and Reeves plays five, and, and Flip plays five. That's that's not a bad situation for Duke. These are these are guys who we know can control. I mean, Sean Stewart's the highest rated recruit in the in the current Duke class. Giving him 15 minutes a game at the five, which is probably his college position, it's not a crazy thing to do. So I don't think I think that Duke is looking at are there guys who maybe in a member the date to enter the portal is is May 11th. Up to that date, you can't enter after that. Although Joey Baker did it, but you know what the heck. Uh, but I, I think if Duke is looking to see, is there someone who's going to get in closer to that May 11th date? Someone who isn't in the portal right now. And if there is, they'll go after him. But if it's not a no-brainer, if it's not some guy that you go, that guy is absolutely going to help you immediately become a national, you know, even more of a national title contender. Then Duke's probably comfortable going with Young, Stewart, Flip, and Reeves. Jason, I can't wait for next year when there's a game where, for whatever reason, Christian Reeves plays 15 minutes and you come on being like, I cannot believe that we are at the point where Duke has to rely on 15 minutes of Christian Reeves. And look, seems like a nice kid. They've said nothing but good things about how he performs in practice, but he got basically no minutes this year after there being like a very tiny amount of chatter at the beginning of the season that he might be able to contribute. So, Let's just set the expectations low. We we I got myself excited about Jalen Blake's this past season and how much he was going to contribute. He didn't end up playing very much during ACC play. So I let me register a bit of concern about this, which is that Cal Filipowski shouldn't be playing significant minutes at the five. That's not his game at either end of the court. And I, I don't know even even if we're saying that, that Flip is the five. I don't know that that that's having a a huge impact on the way that teams are defending him. Fine if you if you want to say that Sean Stewart is playing some minutes at the five, but I feel like he is again more of a backup at that position than he is a starter. Like he 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 wants to be, I think, a little bit more mobile than that. And I don't know if he's bringing the amount of like rebounding and defense that Duke needs to complement Filipowski. So. I'm, well, wait, wait, I'm, hold on, Sam. Sean Stewart is nothing but rebounding and defense at this point. He does not have refined offensive skills. But sh- show me, show me when he should. You know, like this is this is one of those like I, I'm I'm only going to believe freshman big men until I see freshman big men performing the way that you're talking about them. I hear you. In yeah. spurts. So let me let me register my concern that that Duke might have a hole in the middle. Now that being said, according to all of the experts. Duke is going to have a lot more firepower from outside. Duke should be a lot better on the perimeter on defense next season. And so I think what we'll have is a situation where every game is a challenge of Duke's, you know, Duke's playing XYZ team that's got that's got two real big men. They're going to get out-rebounded by seven or eight rebounds in 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 major competition. And I know we're going to talk about the schedule and how Duke doesn't have that many hard games next year, but uh, Duke has overcome the fact that they that they are not uh, making up on rebounds by by hitting a ton of shots and and being really efficient from outside. That's I think that there's going to be much more of that storyline next year than there was this past season. I'm I'm going to disagree because first of all, you're talking about rebounding. Kyle Filipowski is arguably as good a, a rebounder at the power four position as anyone in college basketball. 
dude came close to averaging a double double last year. Uh, and I really think that the guys that Duke is going to have playing the five, you know, we're, we're assuming Duke's not going to add someone and they very well might. We've talked about the fact they might, if Duke does not add anybody else, I think you'll be surprised at how well those other guys are going to do it. Rebounding uh, Ryan young, R- Ryan young is a ridiculous rebounder. He's nothing but effort and, and did a great job of rebounding in his limited, not so limited. You know, I think he probably plays the same kind of role again this year, which is around 15 minutes per game. Sean Stewart, his again, his primary attribute is athletic, quick off the floor. He is a fast jumper. That is a key attribute in rebounding. And you can't teach size. Christian Reeves is 7'1", 245. I'm not saying Christian Reeves is playing 15 minutes a game. But I, I just don't think there's – I don't think it's a huge cause for concern if Duke is forced to roll with the guys that we currently have on the roster. I think that I think that there's an opportunity there for – for Duke to still be really, really good. And by the way, if there are minutes, five, seven, ten minutes a game where Flip is the is the, the biggest guy on the floor, I don't think that's a bad thing at all. Duke could play a really interesting five-out kind of offense with Flip as the only big man that would be really tough to defend. I don't know how, you know. They did that. They they did that for stretches this year, but it was yeah. in stark contrast to having Derek Lively. At, at center or even right, or even right. having Ryan Young at center who brings a, a, a different look than Flip does. The other thing here, by the way, as we're sort of looking at the roster, I know that we had, had kind of talked about like Jeremy Roach is gone. But, guys, correct me if I'm wrong. We haven't seen any news about Jeremy Roach. So it's possible that that like we like we know that he he has sort of like declared to go looking. Um, but as far as I know, there's sort of no progress on the Jeremy Roach is getting is getting commitments from NBA teams or something, and and, and we so won't I, until the combine happens. Like exactly. the combine so in the I, middle. I sort of, of wonder. So. I, look, I I know that Jeremy Roach is not is not solving Duke's big man problems, but uh, but that's another guy that's still sort of out there when we're looking at the at the roster for next season. If Duke goes five out occasionally, the penetration ability of someone like a Jeremy Roach is going to be really tough for opposing teams to deal with. The the shot making of Caleb Foster, of Tyrese Proctor, uh, of Jared McCain. Jared McCain. Yeah, I mean, like, I, I, I'm kind of a little tiny bit. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to admit something here. I'm kind of rooting that for Duke to not get another big man because the possibility of this team playing five out is really exciting to me. Honestly, it felt like it when we were talking earlier about us going after a big man, after a five, it didn't feel like we were looking for a starter. It felt like we were looking for someone to complement one of the guys that we have. And if you think about it, most times, when it, or just over the course of history, even, even John Shire last year, he didn't recruit Ryan Young to be a starter. He Yes, he started a couple games because Derek Lively was hurt to start the season, but he didn't recruit him for that role. He recruited him to kind of be a complement player off of the bench. He recruited, you know, Kale Catchings to be a complement, you know, guys to come off of the bench. Theo John did not come in to be a starter. He came in to complement someone coming off of the bench. And so I think that when we were looking at this five, I think a lot of people got in their mind that we were looking for a starter. And I don't think that was the case, which means that even if we miss out on a, on a big man that we really want, it doesn't necessarily mean that there is a gap. It means that someone will on the roster will have to step up and fill whatever hole that they thought there would be filled by, you know, having a net complimentary player. So 
I'm I'm okay with it for now. Um, and obviously there's still a lot of time, as you mentioned, the the portal trend the portal deadline, the the soft deadline, I would say, is May 11th. The day for guys to leave the draft and come back to college is May 31st. Again, I don't know if Deron Holmes is going to stay all the way in the draft, but he has till May 31st to figure that out. The combine is going to be in the middle of the month. That's where you're going to see a lot of guys make their real decisions as to whether or not they're going to, you know, dive full in into the to the draft process or retreat and come back to college and and stay another year or enter the portal. So there's a lot going to be happening in the next couple of weeks. It's it's kind of we have to sit and wait and figure it out. So we'll leave it there. Let's take a break right now. On the other side, we mentioned that there's you know some changes coming to the schedule, and we're going to talk about that. And also, we say goodbye to a legend in Duke and in sports after this. This episode of the Duke Basketball Roundup is sponsored by BetterHelp. Springtime is the season that's supposed to feel like a new beginning. We have better weather, and it feels like everyone gains a boost of energy. However, for many, leaving winter behind doesn't always mean that their mood lightens up with the extra sunlight. We all carry around stress, and that stress can build as more events get added to your calendar. That's certainly true, Donald. And with the amount of social gatherings increasing with the improving weather and more daylight, there's more pressure to be on when you're interacting with family, friends, coworkers, even strangers, even when stress has you a little bit down. And for some, getting advice from a therapist can help you tackle some of that stress without affecting you or the people you care about. That's what BetterHelp is all about. It's entirely online, and it's designed to be therapy that's convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. You just fill out a brief questionnaire and get matched with a professional, licensed therapist. And you can switch therapists anytime you want. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try and find your social sweet spot. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Duke Roundup today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Duke Roundup. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hey, guys. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. 
So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Ladies and gentlemen, we are back and we are turning our attention now. We're done with recruiting. We're going to turn our attention to next year's schedule. Now, we've talked about some of the, or at least we've, we've mentioned some of the big games that Duke is going to have in the early part, especially the non-conference schedule next season. But we haven't heard about the multi-team event. That's like the Maui Invitationals, the Atlantises, those pre those early season tournaments that every almost every college basketball team is a part of, and Duke is usually a part of one of them. Last year, they were part of the PK-85. Well, there are there's talk about Duke hosting a multi-team event, and I think for some fans, it's leaving a little to be desired, and I'm saying that lightly. Uh, there are sort, many sources out there that are reporting that Duke will host a multi-team event this coming season that will feature LaSalle, Bucknell, and Southern Indiana, and it would feature those three teams playing Duke at Cameron Indoor Stadium. This is a, a start departure from previous years where, again, we are hitting the road to play in a, usually in the NBA arena or if we're in Maui uh, in Chaminade's high school gym to play other teams from other conferences that are, you know, big time opponents this time around, we, it seems like, go ahead. Yeah. We, we, we did this the COVID year where we had a, a multi-human event that we did that we hosted ourselves mm-hmm. with, with frankly somewhat lesser teams. And but that was because I think we were supposed to go to Atlantis and it was canceled. Right. Uh, or at least right. moved, COVID moved years to crazy. the United yeah. States. Yeah. Yeah. But this time around, this is in lieu of, you know, going to a big time tournament. And it's, you know, a lot of these are locked up, mind you, years in advance. You know, Maui Invitational, that field is usually set a couple years in advance. It's not like, you know, PK85 where they just come up with it. Um, there's only really a couple tournaments out there that Duke could have gotten into. And it seems like they have opted instead of going to, say, a Charleston to just have a few teams come there and load up the schedule and keep guys at home around the Thanksgiving holiday. So Sam, let me go to you first again, LaSalle, Bucknell, Southern Indiana, your thoughts on that and just the overall schedule and and maybe talk about what those three teams, how they fit into the, I guess the general non-conference schedule that we've seen thus far. I mean, my general impression is that they don't add a ton and that Duke is mostly just filling the schedule here. That being said, I am, I, I sort of have two, overarching positive thoughts about Duke scheduling for this year. One is that Duke should be a top five team going into the season, regardless of this big man situation. Like when we really, we really take the big picture, Duke has, you know, a national freshman of the year or or second place national freshman of the year returning. Duke has uh, a couple guys who had, who made huge strides during the season in Mark Mitchell and Tyrese Proctor coming back. They both should be on you know, preseason all ACC lists and Kyle Filipowski, I expect will be ACC preseason player of the year. And at the very least, he'll be preseason ACC, all ACC first team. So Duke has, has nothing but opportunity in front of it to be a top five team all season, regardless of the schedule that. And so that's, that's context piece. Number one context. Number two is that Duke is going to play a non-conference game against a top-tier opponent, a very top-tier opponent in Arizona this year for the first time in how many years has it been since Duke just scheduled one of these games. Now, it's in Cameron, so it's not quite as fun, but 
I am taking the fact that Duke is doing this and then doing the home and home and giving John Shire a ton of leeway to say, you know what? If all he did this season was add the home and home with Arizona, play a ton of cupcakes. Like, give Duke more chances to get Stephen F. Austin uh, in, in Cameron this year. And so I am going to forgive it. The other thing that's going to be exciting, Michigan State, I think, is going to be is going to be back near the top of the Big Ten this season. And Duke gets Michigan State uh, in the Champions Classic at the United Center. Uh, I believe the last time uh, Duke played Michigan State in the United Center was the game that I was at. Where uh, where Grayson Allen went off, and so that's going to be a that's going to be a fun game as well. And so, if nothing else, Duke has two really premium opponents that that they've scheduled themselves, or you know, the Champions Classic is is sort of scheduled for them. Uh, and so, I, I'm I'm going to be forgiving of this. I do not want this to become a habit for John Shire. I do not want this at home MTE no top flight opponents thing to become the norm. But uh, for this season, I'm going to let it slide because I think Duke is good, and I think that Duke has has done a good job of of putting other good teams on the schedule. And you know, let me complain next year when the ACC stinks again and Duke doesn't have opportunities for quad one wins in February. Has more opportunities in November than in February. Well, so a couple things, Sam. First of all, uh, you left out. We're also going to have someone that the, next year starts the ACC SEC challenge. Uh, it's highly likely we'll get. It's highly likely, I think we may get Kentucky, but we're going to get a top tier SEC team: Kentucky, Alabama, Alabama, Arkansas. There, there are you know, there are more good SEC Tennessee. programs at this point yeah. than there are good ACC programs. So, it, true, absolute truth. Yes. So that's that's yet another good game on the schedule, in addition to the Michigan State game and the uh, and the game against Arizona in Cameron. Uh, the the other thing I would add in all this is Sam, you said Duke's going to be really good. That's kind of why I want us to play other good teams. The the ACC, unless the ACC surprises and is better than we expect, our quad one opportunities are not, they're not going to be a lot of quad one opportunities in the ACC. The only quad one opportunities you're going to have in the ACC probably are going to be road games. And, and even then, there probably aren't going to be that many of them. So I, the, the only pass I'll give John Shire and the scheduling folks is that the schedule isn't done yet. And Duke quite often adds a game like in MSG or, you know, somewhere up in the Northeast, quite often against a fairly good opponent. A couple of years back, remember we played Texas Texas Tech when they were really good. Um, you know, so quite often Duke will add a, a, a game in the Northeast uh, and, and perhaps that'll be a place that will add a, a high-profile opponent. There's sort of a couple games that we don't know yet on the schedule, and and I'm hoping those will be Power 5 opponents, but, but LaSalle, Bucknell, and Southern Indiana, I mean... All three of these teams were in the 200s or 300s in Ken Palm. It, it isn't even like we're playing teams that are like top 150 or so. These are three really bad teams. And, and look, I, I'll be honest, I don't know. Maybe maybe they're each bringing back a bunch of guys. And maybe they've done really well in the portal. I haven't really paid attention to what LaSalle's been doing in the portal lately. But we do that bottom, later, Jason. <laughs> what was that? We do that later. Yeah, exactly. But the bottom line is, at least the way it appears at the moment, this is a phenomenally weak multi-team event that Duke has chosen to put together for itself. And Donald, as you mentioned, there was a, there's an MTE in Charleston, which is a bus ride away. It's really not that far. That was looking for one more team. And it had the right kind of a, a St. John's is in it. LSU is in it. Uh, was it Houston, I think, was in it? Yes, Houston. Yeah. I, I was looking at that event. I was like, that makes perfect. I thought for sure Duke was going to be in that event. 
it made a lot of sense as far as I was concerned. And I was, I was thinking ESPN was going to be like, put them in it so we can have Duke against St. John's in like the semifinals of that event. Old, old school Rick Patino against the new guy, John Shire. I mean, like the storylines would have written themselves to say nothing of the fact that Mackenzie Mbako is probably going to end up playing for St. John's, which is going to be another storyline there. But Duke chose to do this multi-team event at home. You know, again, I need to see what the final couple games are on their schedule to know whether Duke's schedule is too easy or too hard. But I'm leaning at the moment toward it being too easy for considering how good and how experienced this Duke team is. I also think when we look at, we just know about this multi-team event and we know that these games are usually around Thanksgiving. This is something, an opportunity where maybe John Shire is like, hey, I want to keep these guys around for Thanksgiving. Let them, you know, have their families and things like that and make it where it's a little bit more of a homey environment, especially, again, for a team that has uh, some freshmen coming in. But there's also, Jason, the ability to schedule it around some of these big games, right? Like we have, if you think about it, I think I think the Arizona game is set, like the date. I think it's like right before the Champions Classic. And so there's no real opportunity to throw a game in there to kind of, you know, work work, you know, through whatever mistakes you made in those games. But this multi-team event is going to be right before that ACC SEC challenge. Then again, like you mentioned, we can add a game in Madison Square Garden. In fact, I I would I would be surprised if we don't have a game in Madison Square Garden because we love to schedule those and those usually come with at least a decent opponent. We're not playing you know, LaSalle in, in, in the garden. We're going to play a team that people have heard of and, and make it where it's an event, um, maybe latch it on to coaches versus cancer or, or some other effort. But we usually have a big time opponent in the Northeast somewhere. And I'm expecting that again this year, given that the Champions Classic is in Chicago. So I, I say, yes, the multi-team event may appear weak on paper, but it may be part of a filling out a schedule filling out process that hopefully will we can look back and say, okay, well, while these three games are weak, we have a schedule that that has some good opportunities for Duke to test themselves and also for fans to be excited about some of the opponents that we may see, whether it be in Cameron or on the road. So, Hey, hey Donald, you'll like this. I think all three of these games are possibilities, possibilities for a 100-point game for Duke. Yo, I, I, I was, I'm sad that you mentioned that because I was going to keep that in my back pocket. Now I got to adjust. And figure out the stats Look, game. When we make when we make those predictions, the the main thing is just checking like the you know the which which teams are like sub three hundred at Ken Palm. So uh, it, it's a hard one to hide. These teams are close. These teams are close. So, Very close. Well, well, look, we don't know, we don't know who Southern Indiana is getting in the portal this summer. You know, there's there's lots of dudes out there. You know, yes. you, you never know you never know where you're going to upgrade. If they get Hunter Dickinson for some reason, then then that, we'll you know readjust. what. I, I I will I will concede I will concede that one. Uh, yeah, that and, would be and, hysterical. And and we'll have to come back and be like, you know what? Maybe Duke did a great job of scheduling in this MTE because they get to face Hunter Dickinson. Exactly. Uh, um, guys, let's move on. We have one final thing that we do need to discuss, and it's a more serious uh, note, and honestly, a very sad one. Uh, Duke, Major League Baseball, National Basketball Association, the University of Pittsburgh. Sports in general lost a legend on Thursday. His name was Dick Grote. Dick Grote died on, on Thursday. He was 92 years old. He is a legend at Duke. He is the first player to have his number raised to the rafters by Duke basketball. It was the only one in the rafters for 28 years. It was 28 years before they decided to retire another player. That's how great Dick Grote was in college. 
he not only got drafted third overall in the NBA draft in 1952 by what will soon be the Detroit Pistons. He played a season with them and then had a stellar career in Major League Baseball, played for the Pirates, Cardinals, Phillies, Giants, was an eight-time All-Star, two-time World Series champion, an NL MVP, NL batting champion, and is in the Pirates Hall of Fame. And honestly, very, very close. Uh, One of those guys that's considered by the Veterans Committee on several occasions for the Baseball Hall of Fame. And on top of that, he's a legend at the University of Pittsburgh because he had been uh, the radio guy for so, so long. And to the point where a lot of Pittsburgh people know him as a pit guy. They don't know that he played, had this whole, like, I mean, he's basically had four careers one with Duke, one in the NBA, one in the Major League Baseball, and one with Pitt. He's beloved by everyone. If you've met him, and I actually got a chance to shake his hand and, and say hi to him um, at a game once, such a, such a, extremely kind guy and everyone who has ever come across him has said nothing but great things about Dick Grote. Forget the sports part. We lost a legend in the sense that he was just a kind-hearted gentleman who represented Duke. He represented baseball. He represented Pittsburgh so, so well. And so many people were sad about this, but guys, I wanted to give you a a chance to comment uh, on the passing of Dick Grote. Jason, I'll start with you. Can you even imagine? I can't imagine being college basketball player of the year, the best player in college basketball. Dick Grote did that. Can you even imagine then going on to have a pro baseball career and you're the NL MVP? I can't even imagine that. Can you even imagine then going on to have a broadcasting career where you are the voice of the Pitt Panthers basketball team for 40 plus years? Come on. Dude is, to to call him a legend is like not enough. Yeah, <laughs> I don't even understand. know. It's just huh? for lack of a better word. Like, yeah, exactly. I don't even know what you can say about Dick Grote other than he's the greatest athlete in Duke sports history. He's one of the greatest athletes in American sports history. That's not hyperbole. That's just fact. And to to have the the numerous Donald, like you said, the numerous careers he did to impact the n- numerous different lives that he did to be a beloved member of so many different communities. We are fortunate. Duke is incredibly lucky that he sort of burst onto the stage at Duke and is forever, you know, in that way associated and tied to us because he's just, he was just a great, great man. And we all love sports so much. He got to do everything you could want to do in sports. He's the best basketball player, the best baseball player, and the best announcer at the same time. How'd that happen? And, all of that, and it seems like, especially from his broadcasting career, that people really liked Dick Grote. Like, I don't think I ever got the chance to meet him, but I know that they they gave him some standing applauses in, in Cameron. Uh, obviously, when Pittsburgh joined the ACC, it meant that Dick Grote could return to Cameron more often than, than he had when Pitt was in the Big East. So he was a beloved figure by, as you noted, guys, so many uh, different teams and, and different fan bases, right? Duke fans, uh, Pittsburgh Pirate fans, Pittsburgh Panther fans. So uh, Dick Grote was was a legend in in so many places. And look, th- th- you know, for me personally, uh, obviously, I never got to see him play. Uh, the man was in his 90s. He lived a very full life. So uh, part of me is like, congratulations to him uh, for for having all those achievements. And I'm sure there'll be uh, some some kind of you know really neat uh, memorial for him, perhaps when when Duke plays Pittsburgh this year. Uh, especially knowing that the Duke's got there, that Pittsburgh's got a Duke guy on the bench for that. All these, all these things are sort of coming together. So uh, yes, of course, of course, rest in peace, Dick Grote. 
a a real legend for so many sports fans. I mean, imagine this for the last almost 70 years. In fact, it has been 70 years. Number 10, like anyone who's gone to Duke has never seen anyone play wearing number 10 because number 10 has been in the Raptors for 70 years by Dick wrote, you know, rest in peace, job well done. You know, when you get to 92, you've lived a hell of a life. But when you live the life that he did, impacting so many, several over several generations and several sports and several, you know, careers, it job well done doesn't quite say it. So we wish we wish their family well and 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 rest in peace to Dick Grote. And that will do it for episode 512 of the Duke Basketball Roundup. Again, sorry for the delay. We've been out, but we're back now. And as news keeps going, uh, we will be back to recap all of it. So for Jason and for Sam, I am Donald. And now it is time for the Duke Band. Play us out and take us home.